Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, folks. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3. Today, tomorrow's technologies. We're on every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. You can also hear us on Monday, of course, Tuesday night and Wednesday. Please check your local listing. As always, I'd like to thank my audience, the T3 audience out there in the continental United States, and especially our international audience. Uh, the, the numbers keep growing, and we're ecstatic about that. And I think the formula is that we have a discussion between the techies and the non-techies. And the purpose of this is just to get familiar with new technology, new innovation, new activities that are happening in science that will impact our lifestyle. I'm especially grateful for our show today, Space, the Next Frontier. For those audience members who would like to get involved in the show, please call 866-472-5788 or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. As I said, uh, today's show is Space, the Next Frontier. Uh, Even Commerce Secretary William Ross called Space the Next Frontier huge frontier and to be honest with you I, I was quite surprised as I did my research that there's a lot of activities that are going on in space by nations and by private companies and by governments and we'll talk about that uh, we've had two space shows here at T3 the first space show during the first season was space is it the next frontier well I'm afraid to tell you that we have moved to the next frontier, according to Commerce Secretary William Ross. The other uh, space show was, what do we know about space? And that was interesting because there's billions of stars, and I don't think we understand those numbers when you start talking in billions uh, of stars. My intent today for the show is to really learn more about the U.S. government and commercial companies that are enduring the space race or starting the space race so that they get uh, a front row seat at the next frontier. And also the goal is to really understand space, uh, space components, its activities, uh, both from a U.S. government, NASA, and commercial companies that are really starting to uh, do space exploration and space uh, scientific discoveries. Uh, I am Always privileged to have uh, an invited guest, uh, Mr. Uh, Bruce Hawks Abbott. Uh, he is a, a leading space um, f- person that I have trust uh, a lot in space discussions. He is a forerunner of uh, of activities that we do in, in space. He is. Uh, former Navy aviator. He'd worked at NASA for many years. He is a lead thinker in what the U.S., both from a commercial, military, and of course, uh, other countries uh, about space, space activities, space challenges. So, Hawks, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, Hawks, let's get on to the show. Is space the next frontier? 
Un- undubitably, it is uh, absolutely the next space frontier. In the last 50 years, 92% of all astronomy has been discovered, including 3,000 exoplanets that have uh, been identified, and also recently 300 million new stars in the Milky Way have been discerned. So everything we do from here on out is to salvage the human race by going to the next location where we can excel. Earth will be used up and the solar system will be gone in another billion years. So we have a little bit of time to spread the human influence to to the outer reaches, the out, the, the frontier, uh, the the final frontier. The final frontier. I look at the stars and uh, just the Milky Way alone. You, you mentioned it, billions of stars in the Milky Way, and my understanding is there's a hundred billion more uh, Milky Ways out there. So it's quite interesting. But let's uh, backtrack a little bit. What got you in the space business to begin with, Hawks? Uh, just to give our audience uh, an understanding of your background. Uh, as a, a naval aviator, I was assigned to Naval Space Command in Dahlgren, Virginia in the early 80s and became involved with a number of uh, naval astronauts who were assigned to the command and therefore had a different perspective on space other than the delivery of information uh, through communication satellites to uh, far-flung assets on the ocean. Uh, so I've, I've got a little bit of a different view on the, the technology that supported naval forces, whether it was meteorological or acoustic or uh, electro uh, uh, electronic elint sources, uh, SIGINT sources, and so on. I became acquainted with uh, the exploration, manned exploration of space as well. Wow. And I also understand, and you and I have talked about it, your NASA experience. Uh, what got you into NASA, and how did you enjoy it? Uh, I was assigned as a naval reservist to command a unit at uh, Johnson Space Center, uh, in which I had five Navy-associated astronauts as part of my team and assignment. Uh, we did four payloads on 17 missions of shuttle, uh, that were incredibly exciting to see what new things that we could do on uh, low Earth orbit efforts uh, to uh, gain new knowledge of looking at the Earth and new knowledge of incorporating things that would be used in the future going out beyond the Moon and Earth environs. Mm. And just for our audience, you know, the, when we talk about the height of the space age, we, we remember the United States and the Soviet uh, uh, really tagging uh, and using space uh, as a, a way of showing uh, the individual national strength. Uh, we, we have landed nearly 20 spacecraft softly on the moon between 1966 and 1976. And, of course, six of those spacecraft carrying uh, NASA Apollo astronauts. The last uh, mission for the Soviets was a robot that brought back some uh, lunar soil. And just recently, the Chinese went onto the back half, January 3rd, landed on the far side of the moon. Uh, 
It is expected that Israel will launch uh, a, a spacecraft here shortly from uh, Cape Canaveral. And, of course, uh, India will join that. So uh, you're, the space is getting more crowded as more countries are getting more involved. And just in the United States, which that's really where I want to focus our topic and uh, our discussion, is uh, space the next frontier. How is the U.S. getting ready for space exploration? and what has NASA done to make that, to facilitate that? Hawks, you want to take that question on? Absolutely. Uh, NASA has a new grand space uh, plan, and whether it involves a race or not, uh, certainly uh, has become a subject of topic, both with uh, the PRC, the, the, the China uh, reaching the far side of the moon with their lander, and they had a, uh, also another robotic uh, capability, uh, Chang-4, on the surface of the moon, uh, sending back images and activity somewhat uh, similar to our ability for opportunity and spirit uh, on the, uh, the uh, Mars surface. Uh, it may become a space race, uh, whether it's with... Uh, uh, China or Russia or India or others that get involved. Uh, so NASA has led out with an effort of saying that we're going to go back to the moon and do things there and establish a uh, an emplacement of activity that continues and is a is a permanent uh, emplacement of our activities on the moon um, and also with many of the, uh, let's say, uh, discernment of how to go forward as NASA has entered into the game of inviting commercial people to become involved uh, and therefore um, the, 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 the new standard is going to be the commercial crew development phase that incorporates many, many companies here in the United States to do um, uh, lunar exploration, possibly Mars exploration, and further out into the solar system, including um, uh, the moons of Saturn where water has been discovered and as well as uh, the possibility of moons of Jupiter to be involved in exploration in probably in the next 50 to 100 years, certainly in close terms, going back to the moon and establishing an emplacement on the moon that we can learn activities from and then further use that knowledge to deploy safely and completely to Mars. That's fantastic. One of the notes I have here is uh, really water can be used as the rocket propellant uh, of future um, exploration and it's uh it's uh the of course oxygen and hydrogen that makes uh use for rocket propellant so that that's one reason water is important of course the um the living things uh precede water we need water so those are all um 
interesting comments. What I'd like to find out is, uh, you know, as space continues to be an aggressive target by countries, you also have private companies or corporations uh, taking a, uh, uh, at, uh, a shot at space. Uh, space is a $340 billion business, and uh, someone said it will mount quickly to trillions of dollars. Why are people interested in space, Hawks? Why are we exploring well, space? Uh, we have always been the explorers, whether it was from Europe to the New World or from Europe to Africa and Europe to India or Europe to the Far East. Uh, those activities were all venturing beyond the horizon. And now that we have populated the planet Earth with over 8 billion people, uh, we are looking further for quieter spaces, I think, uh, as we move out into our own solar system, in particular um, to the moon to learn things and then to uh, Mars and, and then, as I stated, the moons of Saturn and Jupiter. The, the, the premise here is... As we move out, we learn all these new things that we've never known before. And as I stated before, the last 50 years of astronomy, including the activity by man's space on the moon, has defined what we perceive on how the solar system was formed, what, how we're an integral part uh, of the Milky Way, and how... In the future, by going out and learning new things, we're giving opportunities for humanity to go forward, too. Right. And I think more than anything else, people are realizing, at least from a corporation perspective, uh, greed becomes or business becomes the motivating factor. Uh, the new space economy is being talked about, the ability to set up mining companies, uh, to mine gold, silver, titanium, and isotope helium-3. I mean, the 2015 Space Act allows company to mine their resources. So all these things are coming to a head, and I think more importantly, as the U.S. Uh, and NASA uh, space shuttle uh, it came to an end, the U.S. was looking for another way to invest in space that wasn't just purely government, and I think uh, the, the 2015 Space Act and the uh, Commercial Crew Development Multi-Phase Space Technology Development Program fuel the uh, the commercial uh, aspect or the commercial leg that uh, that made private companies uh, join in on the space race. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. The last dozen years has been a decade of commercial space travel, uh, including SpaceX just uh, recently, Falcon 1 success, uh, as it uh, supplied uh, uh, cargo to the International Space Station, and the the activities of uh, Michael Lopez Alegria, the former NASA astronaut who is promoting commercial space as a viable route to get new and different ideas, at least to LEO orbit or MEO orbit, and uh, essentially to GEO orbit as time moves forward. The the other issue is that. Uh, as the military has noted, uh, and I, when I say that, I mean the Joint Chiefs of Staff, has said that our orbital environment is becoming more complicated 
and is becoming a warfare domain. So space has now become an area of conflict that we have to protect our assets in space, whether they're commercial, academic, or national systems, that we have to protect so that our way of life can uh, further propagate and do the things that we need to do commercially to be a viable nation. Right. So space has become like uh, protecting the sea lanes or the air lanes. Uh, it's uh, there to support commerce and, and uh, sustain our way of life. Uh, one of the things I would like to bring up, uh, I did mention the commercial crew development uh, multi-phased approach that NASA introduced. I really do believe that was the uh, program that really launched um, the uh, private companies to to compete for space. Uh, the first phase of NASA was uh, provided about $50 million to five companies, and the whole intent was to uh, research the development of private sector human space flights and concepts and technologies. And the second phase of this program, of course, was to design and develop systems elements such as launch vehicles and spacecrafts uh, in a 14 months, and the objective was to, to develop U.S vehicles that could fly astronauts after the space shuttle fleet retired because up until this time uh, and today we have Russians uh, uh, spacecrafts or rockets uh, sending American astronauts to the uh, International Space Station right now uh, the third phase was of course the commercial crew integration capability it was started in August 2012 and the purpose of that was to design spacecraft launch vehicles, launch services, ground and mission operation and recovery systems. So all these phases were very, very important. And of course, the final phase was, of course, the commercial crew transportation capability where you're seeing SpaceX and Boeing uh, being awarded uh, uh, renewed launch services to the ISS. And I believe if I heard correctly on the news, uh, we will have uh, the first U.S astronauts reaching the ISS uh, here in a matter of the next 12 months. So let me recap. We've got uh, about 30 seconds. Uh, today's show, of course, is Space, the Next Frontier. Commercial uh, Commerce Secretary Will Ross called it uh space, the next huge frontier, and we've been talking about the importance of uh, commercialization of space, and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is your host, Jose Negron. I'm here with uh, Mr. Bruce Hawks Abbott, a former Navy aviator who worked at NASA and has many years of experience thinking about space, space activities, and space challenges. We've been talking about commercialization of space. Uh, the next frontier is our topic, space, the next frontier. In fact, uh, even uh, Commerce Secretary William Ross has called it space, the next huge frontier. And we've had a lot of activity going on. I did not realize how much activity is going on in space uh, without us really knowing. We've talked a little bit about SpaceX and their current launch of uh, Falcon 9 and, of course, rejoining the uh, ISS station. But uh, I'd like to turn the question to uh, Hawks. Why is it so important to prepare now for space, Hawks? Well, uh, again, uh, astronomy, as I uh, noted before, has uh, 92% of astronomy has been the last 50 years, and then the last 10 years alone has been 60% of that. So as we move forward, the ideas of the importance of what we discover can be applied to all kinds of um, technology input uh, here on Earth. Uh, whether it's the sheer management of communications between satellites and the ground or satellites and other satellites or satellites and the surface of the moon, it's all the information that we gain about how to live in a different location than our, our 1G Earth. And we need to do that in order to go out into the solar system and further on. So that's the preparation piece Um, for doing space exploration. We have to be prepared to keep people safe and crews safe and to be able to support them as we move forward into the uh, solar system and beyond. Right. I I think more importantly, you know, just in the last 10 years, which is uh, very little time to cause uh, drastic changes uh, unless something is very disruptive that comes along, but uh, new technology business model, service design. Uh, Really, the space industry right now is enjoying those rewards right now on all three factors. Uh, New technology is being developed. I mean, to have the Falcon 9 come down and land, uh, you know, straight up without falling over or being reused and turned around uh, is fantastic. The business model of, uh, you know, cheaper, faster, and better is something. And, of course, uh, the service design, uh, you know, how to make – 
deep space part of uh, of private companies or corporations because right now deep space is still the providence of uh, you know governments versus corporation and that that segment is changing around if you look at the uh, you know the factoid uh, for SpaceX uh, you know it's space ex- exploration uh, it wants to do its first flyby to the moon in 2023 and that's just around the corner and uh, of course it's uh, first passenger uh, is uh, uh, Yukosaku and uh, he'll be the first private passenger to fly around the moon and of course they're trying to do a cargo flight to Mars by 2022 and a manned flight by 2024 and that's just the U.S. Uh, as I said earlier Israel's launching a spacecraft in Cape Canaveral Indians are joining so you got the Chinese, the U.S., Russia, Israel, India, and other countries, uh, European space uh, centers are also uh, involved in the space race. So the exploration of space, especially going to the moon first and then on to Mars, is heating up. That race is moving along. Do you have any comments on that? Uh, absolutely. I, I think the United States did itself a disservice by waiting 50 years to re-engage with the lunar surface. Be it as it may, we have now, you know, the the computer chip on Apollo 11 was basically what you had in your electronic watch of today. You know, uh, the computer capacity, the new chip development is vastly enhanced. So we have used the interim time period of 50 years well, with respect to technology, now we need to apply it going back into the exploration phase, both non-manned and manned. The, 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 what uh, opportunity and spirit and curiosity have done on the surface of, the, of Mars is phenomenal, along with the, the Mars orbiter. We have collected more data on that planet in the last five years then accumulated data for the moon of the previous 50 years. So now it's time to go back, uh, establish the emplacement on on the lunar surface so that we know how to do things better, both in, uh, distant orbital programs, whether it's an orbital program that supports activity on the lunar surface and earth, but also uh, to look at Buzz Aldrin's cycler process for servicing uh, activity on the surface of Mars. Yes, uh, and you know you've got people lined up uh, for for those flights. I mean, I, I was surprised to read uh, SpaceX already had a Japanese fellow that's ready to fly. Um, you know, to date, twenty four people have visited the moon. Uh, the last time we flew there is uh, nineteen seventy two with uh, you know the first private lunar passenger flight uh, featuring a flyby moon as part of the week-long mission will help uh, fund and develop SpaceX Starship and super heavy uh, you know uh, lifters the people are just very interested in being part of this and I think uh, NASA has done a, a fairly good job uh, of uh, uh, privatizing uh, the race to space a little bit uh, and I think more than anything else it's just been in the sharing of funds sharing of 
of ideas and improving the technology and ensuring the safety factors there because it's not just going up to uh, lower Earth orbit, but it's beyond low Earth orbit that we need to be aware of. And the ability to transfer all the way to the moon and back safely is a critical step in all these companies uh, being or participating in the space race. How do you see the, the safety features on some of these companies uh, as they develop and, and what's going to happen next? I think that the premise of exploration, just like the Europeans did to the New World, was uh, constantly fraught with disaster. Uh, whether it was uh, weather uh, going across the Atlantic or the Pacific, uh, hurricanes and typhoons always uh, uh, affected those people. But the idea, again, was to go forward as uh, safely as possible. And, and that's what the technology development over the last 40 or 50 years has really done that we need to incorporate into our new processes, both commercially and under the, the guidance of NASA. Uh, we could also uh, have efforts that are joint that, that say a little bit more for the human race to come forward uh, as a consolidated whole, because our home, we're using it up, the resources, uh, it still has a long ways to go, but we're still at the point where we realize that if we go from 8 billion people on the planet to 12 billion people to 20 billion people, we will need to populate our species elsewhere, uh, both in different environments like colonies on the moon and colonies on, uh, on Mars. Uh, so the the overall excitement is that humanity, man, women, we have a chance to move forward into the solar system, and we we've got to take that and start working on it now. Yes, and I just had a little factoid here. Just in 2018, there have been 72 orbital launches, an average of two per week from launch pads in China, Russia, India, Japan, and French Guiana, and New Zealand, and the U.S. So the, that's what I'm talking about is there's a lot of activity going on uh, for space exploration. That's the reason I wanted to talk about space, the next frontier. That's our topic of today because uh, there's been a lot of activities. Sometimes we don't hear about it. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I was surprised to see French Guiana and New Zealand and uh, even India on this list, but there's a lot of activities going on. And uh, the commercialization and the privatization of some of these companies and venture capitalists uh, getting involved. Uh, someone equated uh, that we're almost to the gold rush of San Francisco uh, back in the early uh, uh, 1849. So uh, there is an opportunity. There is a new model, and people are trying to capitalize on this new model as uh, they explore the adventures of space. Now, how do we move forward from the space adventure to commercialization, government, and other international contributions? Uh, there's a lot of activities with these players, and how do we play together, or we're just going to be the first one and kind of be like the old West? Uh, the first one there gets to set up their flag. Well, as I stated earlier, I'm hoping we can do this uh, as part of humanity. Um, but I, I, I pray that the United States will lead 
and uh, we have led in some aspects over the last 50 years uh, with respect to technology for space. Uh, look at the success of those wonderful robots on Mars. Um, and, you know, the European Space uh, Agency has also done it uh, uh, by landing a vehicle on uh, Titian. But um, there are, uh, as well, we have been the leaders to go outward into the solar system, uh, both with the uh, 75-76 time frame launch of Voyager 1 and 2, as they have actually exited our solar system. So to get back to the point of how do we transition all the things that we've done in the past into a coherent effort forward? Yes, we should take advantage of allies and other people who want to explore space, i.e. India and China and Russia together, but only in in a peaceful and positive way. If we move forward in the next few years, as defending our orbital assets, um, it will become an estranged environment, and we will have to try extra hard to communicate with people that we are humanity on the planet Earth and not just adversaries. Right. It's you know it's hard to believe that ten years ago uh, the SpaceX launches were yet to be successful. I mean they had a couple of failures there, and today the vi- it's a vibrant private company, uh, and there's scores of companies out there working on everything from commercial space to rocket propellant to space mining to food production, and really the next uh, working to uh, to establish a, a, a more successful business business practice and a more mature industry. Uh, I was just reading here, you know, just the uptick, and I mentioned it earlier, of uh, orbital launches or actual rockets as well as spacecraft launches, uh, which uh, includes satellites and probes from uh, from space, coincides with openness over the la- past decade. So more and more nations are involved in, in the space ex- exploration. And as I said, the, uh, the lure... Uh, for manufacturing or mining uh, the minerals in space is gaining more and more attention to most of these uh, uh, venture capitalists and, and folks are looking at this uh, so uh, there there is uh, as I said there's been uh, 72 orbital launches just in 2018 by the uh, Eight countries that I mentioned, uh, China, Russia, India, Japan, uh, French Guiana, New Zealand, and, of course, the U.S. Uh, uh, The most successful innovative companies in the U.S., of course, right now has been SpaceX, Boeing, Orbital Science and Sierra Nevada have had their challenges, but Virgin Galactica is uh, is uh, moving forward in their, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ride. I'm going to call it uh, share the ride with uh, passengers who want to be astronauts and they give them that thrill. Any comments on the uh, 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 Virgin Galactica and their demonstrations? I think it's excellent for people to. Uh become excited and engage in this kind of activity <laughs> whether it is at your local carnival or uh orlando uh you know disneyland ride going and seeing the earth uh as only the astronauts have viewed the earth both uh, paid astronauts as well as country astronauts 
have all come back saying that you really don't understand how this blue marble in space has been our home for so long and it's so precious that we we want to we want everybody to have this perception of our world uh, so at that uh, if you have uh, the commercial aspects of uh, Virgin uh, Galactica to go to the edge of space, 60 miles up, and see the world as only a small group, I think is still under 500 total astronauts that have flown. And so that's just one very small portion of the population. And if you can make going and seeing the world uh, from that altitude... For and make it accessible to millions of people, then maybe we would resolve the problem of conflict on the surface of the Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, NASA InSight uh, lander uh, took off and landed on Mars uh, around uh, November 2018, and it had been uh, since uh, 2012, almost six years, uh, that uh, uh, the rover curiosity had been on the red planet so uh the continuous search i'm always impressed by uh, the various steps you have to take uh to get get ahead anyway uh we've got 30 seconds uh ladies and gentlemen we've been talking to uh bruce uh hawks abbott former navy aviator uh space expert and our topic today is space the next frontier and we'll be right back Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one -one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You 
are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, to T3, uh, the premier science technology show. Our topic today is space, the next frontier. My guest today is Hawks Abbott. Uh, he's here to help me talk about space and the challenges of space. Hawks is uh, a deep been involved in space and space activities, space challenges for many, many years. And But let's continue our third segment and talk about uh, and begin to wrap up a little bit of the commercialization and some of the challenges faced by these commercial companies. So, Hawks, uh, let's talk about some of the challenges that the commercial companies have today and what's left to be done, at least from your eyes. Well, number one, uh, there's two levels of challenges when you send things into orbit. One of them is if it's going to be a robotic asset, you don't have to worry about uh, life support systems where you ha- that are uh, part of the uh, fulfillment of sending man to space. Uh, robotic capabilities are a lot easier to design uh, and to harden against space radiation, uh, space vacuum, uh, and uh, it's easier to take care of them, obviously, than somebody who goes, uh, some uh, male or female that goes to space, and they have to be, they have to have uh, air to breathe at the appropriate level of oxygen. Uh, you have to have plenty of food. You have to have water. All of those things that uh, uh, both the shuttle uh, were manifest with and. Uh, that uh, all the the rockets, both PRC rockets and and Russian rockets, have had to deal with. Uh, the bottom line is, in there's got to be a complement of both in order for man's knowledge uh, to move forward. And so you you do as much as you possibly can robotically, like we have with respect to Mars, um, and somewhat for the the lunar surface. Uh, and uh, the makeup of the moon and how it uh, uh, became part of our environment here on Earth. But then you also have to, in time, have to put men and women forward to actually see, perceive, uh, living on the, on the moon, living on Mars, and how it will go. Um, and, and commercial ideas for making services available to both, uh, for all those countries who want to get, get engaged in exploration. So the services would include, include uh, logistic runs to support uh, manned vehicles. Uh, it may be the repair of a robotic vehicle that you have to do. Uh, and in consideration of those kinds of activities, our technology level will be raised, our knowledge level will be raised so that we can go and do the things in the future that we have to do. You know, I characterize, uh, I guess, the exploration of space more than anything else. In the early days, it was just competition between the U.S. and Russia. And then eventually it became collaboration, or, you know, going to the International Space Station. Now it's really openness. Uh, I mean, with a new NASA directive uh, in, the, in the charge of bringing in private commercial companies, uh, they're really leading the way um, as they develop new technologies. And as I commented earlier, they've got a, uh, 
uh, new technologies being developed, new models, new business models, and and just a new way of doing business in space is becoming pretty interesting. The industry of spacecraft satellite launches is becoming more commercialized due to the part of shrinking government budgets, uh, and that has uh, really a real effect on why these commercialization has happened. In fact, in the Space Angel investment firm, uh, records 120 venture capital firms, which have invested uh, 3.9 billion dollars in private space enterprise just in the last year. So uh, the rivalry uh, uh, is no is is there from a business commercial competition, I guess more than anything else. But the, there's always uh, space companies or commercial companies have joined the Commercial Space Flight Federation. This is a group of industry uh, folks that are there to help each other commercialize the human space flight industry and just share best practices and promote the growth. And this is the reason why uh, you know we've gone from competition collaboration to more openness because uh, uh, the ability to share the knowledge and prepare, I mean, from uh, establishing the crew, uh, the capsule design, the launch design, launching and getting to your particular goal, whether it's the International Space Station, whether it's the moon and return, and of course, then, of course, Mars. And that's what, uh, you know, uh, the Mars trip is interesting because it's almost a one way. The moon is an interesting trip. Uh, NASA is scheduled to hopefully go back to the moon and leave folks on the moon to explore, not just come back, but uh, to leave folks there. Any comments on that there, Hawks? Oh, well, as uh, NASA Administrator Jim uh, Brindenstein has stated, mm-hmm. there is so much more to learn about the moon and uh, its relationship to Earth. I mean, uh, our lives would be vastly different if we didn't have a moon. In fact, they'd be uh, they'd very they'd be very arduous. Thank goodness for the moon providing tides for us. Uh, the the overall uh, ambitions. Uh, are competitive, um, and I, I would have to say, commercially, uh, the United States has, gives, has given away a lot of research uh, in the last uh, 15 to 20 years all over the world, either uh, up front or clandestinely, and we need to uh, allow our commercial purveyors in space to protect their new technology, uh, at least for a period of time, um, that, so that they can enjoy some commercial gain, um, whether it's, uh, it is gathering uh, asteroids or meteor, uh, meteors, or whether it's actually landing on the surface of the moon or on Mars, uh, we need to take advantage of some commercial uh, gain so that it is viable uh, and monetarily viable for those companies to become engaged. However, uh, it, when it comes down to the the, the long haul of starting, uh, how should I say, colonies on Mars, it's going to take a group effort uh, across the board. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully I'll live long enough to see those things happen. 
Yeah, space privatization, uh, you know, beginning in the early 2000s, uh, yeah, you know, it was c- quite interesting. The cost of space has, has grown uh, both for cargo and passenger transport. I'm just giving you a few facts here, uh, you know, to travel into space is about $250,000, especially a, a trip on Virgin Gal- Galactic. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, more importantly, you know, space has become a, a collaborative industry. Industry, uh, it's an openness. Uh, the SpaceX and Boeing are leading the charge here, and will continue to do that. There are already thousands of people already signed up for the trip to Mars. You know, and uh, it's in- interesting how people sign up. And but the study of space is quite interesting as well. So. All I can say is there's been a lot of activity, um, at least that I did not know, in space exploration of countries that have already signed up uh, to do space exploration and continue that exploration. As I said, uh, you know, you have uh, about 120 venture capitalists uh, working on uh, space. You had 72 orbital launches last year. You've had China, Russia, India, Japan, French Guiana, New Zealand, and U.S. all being uh, part of this process. You've had, uh, uh, you know, commercial companies. So it's quite interesting as we continue to move towards uh, space and space is the next frontier. As we uh, continue our discussion, there has been a, a change in, I guess, in the U.S. government as it announces the uh, the stand-up of U.S. space forces. Can you discuss that a little bit with me? And is that a pro or con establishment there, Hawks? Well, I, once again, any activity that is focused in the orbital regime uh, particularly uh, as uh, President Trump has put forward a space force to protect our interests in uh, orbital space and beyond into the solar system. Um, I, I would hate to think that somebody would like to take advantage of space, but unfortunately we have adversaries that may, may uh, be pointed in that direction. So therefore, we have to protect what we have there already, both commercially, academic, uh, and for uh, national uh, reasons, we want to protect what we've done. For example, if GPS stopped doing its job in the world, you couldn't get gasoline at your gas pump anymore. Uh, so, And all bank transactions are handled by uh, GPS notification where this event happened and what time it happened. And so GPS not only locates, but it is the timing mechanism for all those activities that are commercially viable throughout the world. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting uh, concept as it uh, the Air Force has uh, named the functional services. Uh, they're getting ready to transfer over a thousand members. Uh, it's requesting for a 2020 stand up of uh, 72 million dollars, and uh, it is uh, I see it as, uh, as something we need, just like uh, you know the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine. We need that Space Force to uh, to keep the space 
lanes of commercialization open because it is becoming a crowded environment and will continue to be a crowded environment. Uh, let me just uh, quickly change subject. I was just reading here how many astronauts have been in space. Of the 536 astronauts, three people completed only suborbital flight, 533 people reached Earth orbit, 24 traveled beyond low Earth orbit, and 12 walked on the moon. Space travelers have spent uh, over 29,000 person days or over 77 years in in cumulative total in space, uh, including over 100 personal days of spacewalks. So that just gives you, uh, you would think there would be more, but 536 astronauts in space, I guess, globally. It's quite an interesting number. Um, as you reflect back to some of the astronauts you met, Hawks and NASA program, I I know you had personal conversation. Any funny stories from them? Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, uh, two of the people that I have uh, respected most in the, the community of, of uh, both Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo astronauts. Wally Sherrard was one of them. He was a leader of getting things done the correct way. Uh, Tom Stafford, who did the precursor to the Apollo 11 uh, moon landing and Apollo uh, Soyuz, was remarkable in his dedication for doing, uh, getting the job done correctly. Uh, as well as somebody as amazing as uh, 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 John Young, who did two Gemini space flights, two Apollo space flights, including being one of the 12 people that walked on the moon, and then uh, two shuttle flights. Um, and, and the bottom line is, as you listen to these people in conversations, uh, whether it's over a short glass of scotch or whether it, it was at an evening meal with families, you enjoyed their sense of doing the job, doing it well, and, and uh, uh, the excitement of of, of knowledge uh, of doing things that have never done been done before. Um, I use uh, recently departed uh, Alan Bean, his ability to uh, kind of frame humorous little events. Uh, he he was at a, a uh, grade school giving a briefing uh, about his experience on Apollo 12, and he said, "Well, let's see. Let me give you an example of how this felt. You know, how did it feel to be launched on a rocket, uh, go to six plus G's on launch, head all the way out to the moon, and be in microgravity where you floated around on the inside of the command module, and then." <laughs> As you got to the surface of the moon, orbited uh, around the moon, and then went down to the lunar surface, where uh, Conrad uh, expertly landed right next to one of the surveyor uh, uh, satellites that had been landed on the moon. He Fifteen says, seconds. Sir. As I got out onto the landing pad of the um, uh, the spacecraft, and I'm sitting there, and I've gone from 1G to microgravity to partial gravity in a lunar orbit, and then stepping on a pad, uh, I hung on to the rail until I sure my foot was on the surface of the moon, and, and, and my stomach was a little queasy, I have to admit. So there's okay. a, a humorous okay. note to what he, he had uh, uh, had explained to this classroom of children. 
Folks, you've been listening to T3, Space, the Next Frontier. Our guest has been uh, Bruce Hawks Abbott, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week on another interesting technical topic, and I'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.